Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 150 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today, I'm excited to talk to two parents again. So today I have Danny's mom and stepdad, Donna and Jeff. Donna and Jeff are doing simply amazing work in the area of suicide prevention and just help with mental health in general. So I know that so many people are going to benefit from their organization, which they call 33 Forever. As you can probably guess, their daughter Danielle died at the age of 33. She was an amazing, remarkable young woman, and I know you will enjoy hearing about her, and you will really appreciate all the amazing work her parents are doing in her memory now. so much to my two guests today. I have Donna and Jeff joining me. So thank you. You are welcome. We're so glad to be here and to finally meet you face to face. We are excited to meet you. Oh, I am very excited to have you on because you're doing some pretty exciting things, but I don't want to start with that. I just want to start with having you talk about your daughter, Danielle or Danny. Yeah, either one. We can call her that. Um, uh, Danny, um, well, we, she had a wonderful 33 years of life, mm-hmm. probably did more in her 33 years than a lot of people did, which looking back, we're very grateful. She was never married. She is probably one of the most gorgeous women you'd ever meet. Started as a baby. People would stop me because she was so pretty with these gorgeous black hair and it was just, I mean, the absolute picture perfect child. Mm-hmm. Jeff and I are blended. So we got together, we, we uh, started dating in 1999 and we've been married over 20 years now. But prior to that, our older daughters, Danny and his daughter, Sarah, were swimming and they did swim, swim all year round. So Danny had the biggest crush on Jeff. <laughs> it is so weird. And I, you know, I knew him as a swim dad. That's it. I mean, we right. never socialized together. Sometimes I'd carpool. Sometimes he would or his wife or my ex-husband. And But she loved when Mr. Heck was driving. <laughs> yeah, we, we had, Danny and I had a really, uh, really good relationship. And we really started when she was eight, nine years old uh, with the kids riding in the back, you know, a bunch of girls riding in the back of right. my car coming home from swim practice. And, and so I got to know her then. And then, uh, yeah, those two girls, sometimes depending on whether they were annoyed, whether we were together or happy, we were together, they either took credit or gave blame to themselves for putting us together eventually. So <laughs> we ended up, Danny was, uh, yeah, yeah, Danny was in her, er, in her mid teens when I first mm-hmm. really came into her life as a, as a kind of a father figure. Okay. Well, before that, I just want to tell one story. I mean, I, I was sure. thinking, what story? This is probably the best story. Uh, Danny was 11 and Sarah was 10, and they went off to swim camp together, mm-hmm. and it was a week-long swim camp. And um, we carpooled again. One of the parents drove, and then I went to pick up my daughter, and he went to pick up Sarah. And right before, the day before, I got a phone call from Danny, and she goes, Mom, when you pick us up, you need to pretend you're married to Sarah's dad because we told everybody we're sisters. And I'm like, are you crazy? And, uh, and, and Sarah- I, I got the same call from mine. And, and uh, she said, yeah, we, we've been telling everybody we're stepsisters all week. And so you guys have to act like you're married when you come to get us. And I was, uh, that's not happening. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I so- mean, I, I still blush thinking of it. I'm like, my yeah. gosh, we were happily married life was going on we had never foreseen anything going on in our world and uh and they just point blank said that 
So we kind of like, you know, I've said, it's Danny, it's not your daughter. And he goes, no, no, it's Sarah. So as years went on and we got together, we realized the two of them just could fabricate anything at all. Mm -hmm. So what we did was uh, went down there, did nothing. And I probably didn't even talk to him thinking like, this is weird. Yeah, right. Uh, Years later, Sarah goes off to college, meets a friend that she said that she was in swim camp with. And she's like, same swim camp. Yeah. Sarah, how's your sister Danny? And she's like, oh, she's good. And she goes, oh my gosh, she is my sister now. <laughs> so that was really yeah. very, so they, again, like he's Jeff said, they took the credit for us getting together. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. And I can't believe that all those kids for all those years thought that. And then it really ended up being true later on. And yeah. it's small town America for anybody listening. So it's not, yeah. you know. They were uh, rotten. So that yes. that's the rotten, you know, preteens. They're funny, but they, yeah. they, they love that story too. But yeah, Dan, Danny and I had, were very, very close. We had a great relationship. We always did. And, you know, I always say with, with all of Donna's kids, but especially Danny, you know, I didn't make them, but they're my kids and, and, uh, you know, they have a dad, but, but, uh, they all lived in our house. They all grew up in our house together, all six of our kids. And we didn't really use the term step. That wasn't really part of our vocabulary. They didn't use that either. And, so we were just one big Brady Bunch kind of family, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, and then as years went on, you know, we all just blended. Danny was pretty much the ringleader of, it was my, uh, my oldest son, Josh, and then we had the five girls underneath. So Danny is the oldest girl and an incredible, once she came into herself, she was an incredible leader and took care of everybody. Very generous, was the peacemaker and an incredible incredible daughter and she became after the turbulent years of 15 through actually through 22 maybe she truly became my best friend so losing her was not only losing my daughter and the girl you know the the child I truly all I wanted in life was to have a have a daughter and son was perfect but then when I finally got my daughter I was like oh my goodness everything's complete and then blessed with more and more Mm -hmm. but in the end it was just like I felt like I was a friend losing a best friend as well as a mom losing a child. Yeah, that's really hard. Mm-hmm. So, no question. Danny had had some struggles in her teens. Uh, that's really kind of when it be, when it began. She had a, a suicide attempt at 15 years old, uh, which was really, really our first introduction to the mental health world. We were not equipped or or aware really of how that all would work and, and those kinds of things. And so it was kind of a kind of a shock. We got a uh, kind of a tough phone call in the middle of the night where, where I got a call, actually, we weren't married yet. And, and I got a call from a mom who had picked Danny up with her daughter because Danny had called her friend and told her what had happened and they were on their way to the hospital. So then I got to call Donna at her house and say, hey, we got to get to the hospital. Danny's in the emergency room and this is what's happened. So she had some treatment. We got her care and treatment then and uh, uh, began the, the journey of dealing with mental health and the mental health system. And, and, you know, just we thought it was kind of teenage angst, the normal 15-year-old girl mm-hmm. stuff. And, and thought mm-hmm. it was obviously more than that. And kind of a wake-up call, I think, to our whole family. But uh, And then she struggled really into her early 20s. And at 22, had a very, very serious second attempt that, that she almost didn't come back from. Um, and but was living and working professionally and, and having a lot of success, but also having a lot of struggles. As beautiful as Danielle was, and she really was a knockout as far as her physical being. She's a beautiful young lady inside, too. But she always had body image issues, and she struggled with that. And she had depression and anxiety and some PTSD from some experiences she'd had as a young person. And, and so she struggled and she had that very serious attempt. And then she got, she knew at that point she needed some serious help. And so we got her some really good aftercare, uh, again, a, a difficult struggle with the mental health system, yeah. but we, we navigated it and found some help for her. And, and really the next 10 years, she really blossomed and came into her own and had tremendous success in business and financially and in every kind of way the outside world would look at success. She just had her all seemed to. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so as Jeff said, the mental health road we went down was truly happenstance because we had no idea. We had never known anybody in either of our families that had, had attempted to take their life. And, and again, at 15, I just thought she was just a, a, a young lady trying to get attention. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, what we learned through that is, is she had, you know, very low self image, but Dan lived her life to help other people. We would joke that she would find misfits on the street and bring them home Strays. to fix them. And yeah. it's yeah. so true. We yeah. once had this young man, I don't know, maybe he was 19, never met him. She heard, it was a friend of a friend. He was at a bus station and he came home to our house and she's like, mom, he has to stay here. He's got no one. He's got no parents. He's got no family just for a night. And we're married, thank God, because I'm like, this, this young man could do anything. But, you know, she was- at all. I mean, we helped and she just did that over and over in different aspects. That was the only one she literally brought home and slept who we didn't slept here, who we didn't know, but she had a heart to help people who were struggling with something. It didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And that was her, that was her go-to and her career was that. Yeah. She worked in the, in the uh, drug and alcohol rehabilitation industry uh, in professional life. Mm -hmm. And, And she started she had a very tragic loss where she lost a boyfriend uh, very suddenly, 2011. And then after she was able to manage to get through that as best she could, she went back to Florida where she had been living. And she started with a brand new startup company. She was the sixth employee of that company. And seven years later, when she left, she had ownership in the company and she was managing 250 of the 350 employees and just wow. tremendously yeah. successful and she ran book clubs and leadership uh, councils and and was really working to try to help people be the best version of themselves and that was really what she had become mm-hmm. and was really all about and trying to do and again don't get me wrong danny Dan was tough too she could she could kick you in the tail and tell you she was kicking you but she but she also would love you after she kicked you so it she she was she had some tough love in her but it, she was very effective at being a leader that way and people were just naturally drawn to her. And so that story of the young man coming over, I mean, that's not a unique story for her because she was constantly trying to help people yep. overcome whatever struggles they were trying to overcome, including the same kind of struggles that she had with mental health and, and struggles of, of being a young woman in, in, uh, in today's day and age. Yeah. And it's interesting to me to hear you talk about her in that aspect of her being this beautiful, successful, you know, financially successful individual. So from the outside, it would look like she had everything together. And in some ways, I think that can be really difficult for people. I think about girls that I take care of myself as a pediatrician. And, you know, you get these beautiful young women that come in that, everyone thinks oh you're so lucky you have all this happening and that you are in this great family and you have a nice house and you have the looks and you have all of this and it can be very hard you know when you're that individual because other people don't maybe treat you in a way that you should be in some ways, right? Because they don't know what's going on in your head and in your heart and that you actually don't have that confidence that it looks from the outside like you should have. Well, and you know, exactly those types of people, they put this mask on and then they Mm -hmm. begin wearing it their whole life because they can't let you know that they're down. They can't let you know that they're struggling. They can't let you know that you know, for Danny, that she feels fat or that she's not eating or that she's, um, that there's any trouble. She's like, I don't want to be a burden to anybody, mom. So she would literally keep everything inside. And every time that, uh, you know, when she had tried to take her life, it was a perfect day per se. I mean, nothing looked out of the ordinary, but inside Mm -hmm. she had a lot that she was battling and didn't, you know, didn't know how to do how to deal with it. Um, and right. at 22, she did finally get the, um, the tools to cope with everything that you, you, you know, prepare a safety plan. If you mm-hmm. feel like you want to harm yourself, what are you going to do? I'm going to call this person. I'm going to read this. I'm going to go for a walk. You go through it all. And she did it over and over mm-hmm. and over. And I think 
11 years later when we lost her, that safety plan was never a thought for any of us. Mm -hmm. We thought she was okay. Yeah. Yeah. We, I talk, was... a, a couple of things that I talk about all the time is Danny was one of those people who was a go-to for so many people that sometimes her bucket of, of her own resilience got empty. Yeah. And there wasn't enough for her sometimes. And I think that was a problem. And that mask kind of talks about Danny was really good at it. She could wear mm -hmm. it and everything looked good on the outside. And then, you know, I use this analogy all the time. So many people, and Danielle was one of them, is like you're like a duck on the calm pond where you look, everything looks beautiful and regal on top of the water, but underneath your feet are just paddling like mad yeah. just to try to keep up. And I think a lot of people struggle with that especially in this day and age, and you as a pediatrician, I know see this, you have to, where, you know, the social media and the way that we all look at each other in, in these false and, and, and not really accurate ways, will mm -hmm. make a lot of additional struggle for people, not just young people, especially young people, but really everybody, anybody. Yeah. Yep. I talk about that to the kids a lot that, you know, what they see on Snapchat and Instagram is not real life. It's not real. So all of those things, they, you know, you take like 15 pictures until you get the one that you think looks perfect. Yes. And that's the one that you post. No one posts pictures of themselves when they roll out of bed in their pajamas. I mean, that's, but that's what real life is. And so then these kids get this false sense of what's real when they look on social media because what's on social media isn't real. Yep. Well, and they mm -hmm. feel like they're not enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, every you're matching yourself up to, again, what you said, nothing is real. So whatever that next level is, is not enough. So you, you know, so that's where all the damage comes in and parents have to do damage control or as in the, in the situation with Danny, it just, it was good, good, good. And then she dropped mm -hmm. because um, of whatever circumstances. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I think about her. I hadn't even thought about this for a while, but she was, she was completely out of the social media loop. She she, she took herself off for, two uh, for, for a long time. And mm -hmm. and, be, and I think uh, we never really had this conversation that you did with her. But, you know, I think she knew that it was not real life. And, and you know, you can't you can't measure up to that sometimes. And she had an amazing life. You said it already. She at the time we lost her, she was living in Washington, D.C., in a beautiful town home on Capitol Hill. She was driving a, a beautiful vehicle, an incredible vehicle. She had everything you can imagine, the shoe collection, the purses, the, the you know, all of the stuff. She had probably a hundred pair of designer sunglasses. She had, uh, she was making a ton of money. Um, just, you know, that wasn't even an issue and yet in there someplace, there was still that duck on the pond problem where it didn't matter how good things looked on the outside. She still struggled. And, we always say, you know, the perfect storm kind of hit the night that we lost her because there was nothing in her life that individually should have taken her to that deep, deep, dark place. But a combination of a few things uh, just obviously did. And I like how you mentioned earlier about how sometimes when you give and give and give, it can suck so much out of the, you that you don't have that resilience anymore. And just even to say myself, obviously, I'm a grieving mom and I'm going through a lot. And then, you know, I'm caring for kids as a pediatrician. And in general, I have cared for a lot of teens with mental illness for two reasons. One, because I'm of an age where a lot of my patients are teenagers. But secondly, because I think I understand pain and suffering in a way a lot of my colleagues don't. And so then these kids and families end up feeling drawn to see me. And so then we ha have a mental health care coordinator and they have somebody who's in crisis and in a bad place and they can't get them in with their primary doctor. And so they think, oh, you should go see Dr. Larson. But I actually had to have a conversation with her probably six, eight months ago. And I said, you can't do that anymore. Like, I am really struggling here. And I have, you know, 800 of my own patients to take care of. And, and I am happy to do that. But when now it's, you know, I've got this suicidal teen and this one with very bad anxiety and, and I, I can't be that for everyone because I feel like in some ways I'm barely hanging on, right? Because 
inwardly you can give and give and give, but then you need to take time to try to refill yourself or you can just run out. And so I, anyway, I thought that was a good point that you brought up earlier because I think with Danny, she had a love for trying to help other people, but yet was she trying to take that time to fill herself as well? I mean, I know that's something I'm personally working on right now because I feel like I've done a really bad job of it lately. We understand that feeling too, because of all this stuff that we do, and we end up being the go-to for a lot of folks too, yeah, who are struggling, and we try to help every time we can. But it, but it does. It saps you. It does. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, just mm-hmm. to be honest, it does. There's no way around it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder. I've often thought of this and never actually verbalized it to you, but we, uh, Danny, lost her love of her life at, uh, in 2011. She was able to sustain herself somehow, some way. I mean, for six months, she was basically in our home in a fetal position, only taking care of her dogs because she was so beyond, you know, beyond mm-hmm. devastated. Um, so then seven months later, she moves to Florida and, and goes back to Florida and anyhow starts her new career. So she's pouring herself into everybody. From that moment on, she never, ever stopped. And, and I think of me on some days where I just, I can't do it anymore. And it's only been three and a half years. But mm-hmm. I mean, at that night, I, I know when she had texted her friend and said, I'm done, I just can't anymore. And I think that could have been part of it too. She just had so much in her life that, you know, she just didn't want to see tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and I will share this with the audience because you wrote to me not well, last week, I think, just about this the upcoming our upcoming interview. And you asked me, do you take any time off? And you're the first person who has asked me that in the now almost three years that I've been doing this. The first person that asked me, do you take any time off? And it, it actually got me thinking, you know what? I really need to. And so I immediately, I think the same day you wrote me that email, I wrote to my editor and I said, I think I want to get a few weeks ahead. What do you think about, do you think it would be possible for you to get me several, several episodes ahead? Because I always record them quite a bit ahead, but they, they come back more gradually. I said, because I think I need a little bit of time off and I want to try to do a few ahead so that I can take a little bit of time for myself. And, and I, so I thank you for that. But, and I think we all need to do that. And it's gotten me thinking a little bit more about that idea of self-care and how we take care of ourselves and how you can't be the person that you want to be for others if you can't take care of yourself first. It, you know. it goes back to the when you're in an airplane. When you're on an airplane, what do they tell you? You have to put on your own oxygen mask before helping the person beside you because if you exactly. don't put your own on, you're not going to be able to help anybody else. So that's that's a anyway. Good, that's a yeah. good analogy. I like that one too. Yeah, we and you know Danny was uh just and you can see where Danny got her caring about other people. She got it from this beautiful lady right next to me. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, and be, because they both have that, that, that thing. And that's what Danny did. That's why Danny was the one. She was like the, the, the light that the moths were drawn to. She just always was. And, uh, and, you know, she also worked on herself. I mean, she worked on her self-care that last decade of her life. She, she knew she needed medicine sometimes and she took it and she knew she mm-hmm. needed talk therapy and psychiatric care and she did it and she knew she needed self-care and uh, mindfulness and and yoga and those kinds of things and she did it but you know she would also get her bucket emptied and when her bucket was empty that was when she was at risk I think yeah right and eventually I think that's what got her the bucket was empty yeah but you know Marcy you even said about self-care it took me well after I lost Danny I became very close with the psychiatrist that was treating Danny mm-hmm. after HIPAA and all the, the executor, Jeff was Danny's executor. After everything went through, we, we talked and there are so many things that, I mean, Danny was just trying to better herself. Her doctor had said she, it had been so many years since she had found somebody so interested in doing whatever they can to get over their past and to be a better person and to just mm-hmm. dig deep and find out what was going on. And so she did not expect it. But in turn, after I was, you know, devastated and, and if I had an issue, I would text her and she's like, are you doing self-care? And I'm like, 
well, yeah, I did my nails. And she's like, no, 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 no. That's, you know, that's nice, but you probably have always done your nails. And I'm like, well, yeah, because, you know, it's, I work and talk with my hands. She goes, you just have to find something that is, that'll fill you. And you, you, you remember nothing fills you at the early day, right? Nothing. So, so I'm getting better at that, trying to, you know, give us a few extra days during a week where we can just kind of be and not keep giving out. But, uh, but I think that's probably a struggle for everyone who has lost somebody. Yeah, I think you're right. Why don't you tell us about the project that you've been doing and all, all the work you've been done? Cause it's pretty amazing. Well, you know, before we talk about what we started, um, Danny died in February of 2019 Thanksgiving and Christmas of 2018, Danny had come home, both of those, uh, for about three or four days for Thanksgiving and three or four for Christmas. And Jeff is an attorney, and her goal in life was to start some consulting. And she wanted to help people, primarily young girls who were struggling with either their weight, mental health struggles, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. She had gone to a conference a couple of years prior. It was actually an Oprah conference. And it literally changed her overnight. Lit her up. She yes. loved it. Really? Yeah, she was very close. I don't know if she met her or not, but I mean, they had real close seats. And she's like, Mom, do you know 14-year-old girls are trying to take their life? And what is wrong with that? And it's going younger and younger. And she just decided that she could share her story with thousands of people on stage. But she was always afraid to talk, to talk about it with her friends or family. So they started getting bullet points together on what she could do. Uh, her and Jeff had uh, taken a um, public speaking class, uh, mostly Co- did it for and her. A, and a coaching class. And a coaching class mm-hmm. so she could better her, mm-hmm. you know, her future. And things were just in place. So, so that's what she wanted to do, you know, the very end, that's all we were thinking of. So yeah, we, were, we were literally at Christmas time, she died in February at Christmas time, the previous Christmas. Uh, she and I were sitting down talking very specifics about business plan and how did you turn this into an income stream so you can make up. She was doing very well vocationally still. She was running two different companies for an for a entrepreneur and doing amazingly well, but at the same time, lots of stress. But, but at the same time, uh, she had ideas that she wanted to consult for him. She really wanted to do some of her own stuff. And this was really what her goal and her idea was. So when, when she died and then in February, uh, our family got together very, very quickly thereafter. I mean, literally within days. And we, we sort of decided that we couldn't let her suicide be the end of her story. And we couldn't let that be mm-hmm. the legacy because she had more that she wanted to do and just didn't get a chance to do it. So we kind of tried to pick up the mantle, maybe not exactly what she was going to do, but the same kind of idea and at 33 Forever, an organ, a nonprofit organization that we started, we literally got uh, the paperwork for within a week uh, for dying. And a uh, lawyer friend of mine wow. together. And yeah. we were on uh, Facebook within nine days of her death. And we raised $30,000 in the first month after her death. And we've just gone great guns since because of the generosity of our first friends and family. But now just the whole community that's been drawn by Danny's story and kind of that legacy that she's left. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, I mean, what you had talked about being a physician, the kids can come to you or the parents can because you're safe. You've been through something very serious Mm -hmm. and tragic and you've got more empathy than others. And that's how people are with us that, you know, so many messages and emails and people reaching out started with people we knew and then people from, all over literally in other countries have reached out and uh, at first we were like oh my gosh they're talking are you safe are you you know do you have any weapons in the house you know we go through all the things that in theory a doctor should go through and we're like we are not professionals so immediately we get them to like we google and in their towns where you know nami the national alliance on mental illness and we'd recommend that but so we had all kinds of things going on, but the point of that is that they felt safe talking to us, mm-hmm. and then let's give money so it doesn't happen to me, or, uh, I mean, I did that with a lot of organizations when my girls were little. There was an organization I just had, 
I treasured. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give because God's going to look at this and say, okay, we're going to keep that one away from you, that, that tragedy or whatever. So I don't, I, I, that's part of it, but people do, they just needed something and someone. Uh, so eventually we ended up creating a professional advisory committee filled with uh, doctors, psychiatrists, a uh, couple clinicians. Psychologists. Yep. And one of Danny's very best friends, who is a uh, psychologist at Ohio State University, she's on our board. They were best friends growing up. And it, it just, it, it's as though Danielle is getting all these people in our life to help with 33 Forever to create something that, that she would be proud of. So really what we've tried to do is we kind of have five things that we focus on as an organization. I'll just buzz them off here real quick. But the one Don already talked about is the resources. We want to try to be a resource clearinghouse, if you want to look at it that way, mm-hmm. for people who are struggling with, especially depression, anxiety, mental health struggles. But we've really expanded to be able to cover the whole behavioral health waterfront. So mm-hmm. drug and alcohol uh, problems and substance use disorder and and, you know, even schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and some of the other things. Danielle didn't have those particular conditions, but, you know, the mental health world is, is very broad. So we, we try to be a resource for clearinghouse for resources, and we try to get people to other places because, again, we're not the pros. We try to get them out of our hands as quickly as we can, but get them to the right treatment places, to the right sources, to the right contacts, to the right communications, to the right organizations, or just information. Mm-hmm. And then we run educational programs in middle schools and, and high schools and college levels for faculty and for students. We are uh, doing that in conjunction with some people, and then we run some of our own. We, we support some other organizations. We do advocacy both on the state level here in Ohio and, and on the national level at some level. We're working on that. So our, our idea, Danny lived in D.C., and our idea is one day to be on Capitol Hill talking about Danny's story. Mm-hmm. And then we also do community awareness and a lot of community awareness events and information and, and sort of getting the word out and being a, a voice mm-hmm. of mental health and, and suicide prevention. And then uh, we, we want to support research where we have a good research program that we have nearby, again, at Ohio State, that is doing tremendous work in suicide prevention research, really on the cutting edge. And so we're hoping to be able to help financially support them too. So we have all kinds of partnerships and things we've been able to develop in the three years. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah, long-winded answer like to question. <laughs> no, I love it though. I love it. Yeah. That is a lot. That's tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous. It, it and it's is. not just us. I mean, we have a board and we've got all kinds of great volunteers who yes. are helping us put that together too. We, we were talking before we got on this call about the, the challenges of social media. I know you know those challenges. Uh-huh. Uh, and we do too. So we, you know, we have a pretty good social media presence. We have about 10,000 followers at this point between Instagram and, and Facebook. So that's a nice way to get out a word out to people too. You know, that is a really nice way to get the word out if you, if you can. It's funny because we talked about sort of the evils of social media in some ways, but in other ways, it can be a way that people are brought together I mean, I know there are a very large bereaved parent community and uh, that's on Facebook that I'm part of several different uh, organizations for that. And it can really make you feel much, much less alone. So as much as you can have negative connotations from social media, social media can be um, tremendously supportive to make you not feel as alone, too. That good and bad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is good and bad for sure. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I was thinking, what we with Danny's whole dream, she had we we ended up going this route because of how hard it was for us to navigate the mental health system. Yeah, you know, at 15, it was fortunately someone in our town worked with NAMI and we knew her. And again, NAMI's the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and she gave us direction on where to, you know, take Danny to which hospital. We had a great children's program. And then at 22, she is let go in our care. Fortunately, as Jeff always says, that she wanted to get help because she could have just walked out, gone back to the life that she was in, back to the same people, and the problems never would have been solved because they just keep you in there in the hospital until they feel like you're safe. 
And then they, uh-huh. they dismiss you to, you know, well, you know, I don't know, there's other places out there. I mean, it was scary. We, we were at a, a very large level one trauma center where she was hospitalized for a few days after that attempt, after she got uh, medically stable. And then psychiatrically, she was just in their psychiatric unit for a few days. And then they're like, you know, she doesn't really need to be here. Um, we're going to let her out. And we're like, well, okay, well, what do you, what's your suggestion? Where do we take her? What do we do? They're like, well, we really don't have any suggestions for you. So we, uh-huh. we yeah. had to figure it out on our complete own, As, trying to figure out how to pay for it, trying yes. to figure out how to get it covered by insurance, try, trying to find someplace, number one, safe, secure, that would help her finally get down to the brass tacks on addressing her issues. And again, as Donna said, fortunately, she was open to that. She knew she needed the help and she allowed us to help her. I feel like you are talking to me and like, this is my life now. This is trying to find help for people is so hard, especially now with this pandemic. Yes. The amount, I mean, the struggles that it takes to find a therapist that's accepting new patients or psychiatrist is so difficult. It is. I mean, I had a patient not too long ago that had a very serious suicide attempt that was in an ICU and very much so. And they're like, okay, so you can just manage her medication now. Like, what? And so we (laughs) said, no, we really would like to do a follow-up appointment with psychiatrists. And they're like, oh, okay. And the appointment was made for September. So still between May and September – it still fell on me because there's nowhere else that we could get an appointment prior to September. And yes. the, this puts a lot on just these general practitioners. I mean, like I'm in general pediatrics. I had a month of psychiatry training. Right. In fact, and I think a week of it, I had a vacation. So I had like three weeks that I'm supposed to know all of this. So you end up having to learn it on your own yep. because there just aren't enough people and you know what I mean? It's so, so I feel for you. And then I also feel for her general pediatrician, general right. or family practice doc or someone who was stuck there too, trying to be like, oh, I guess it's me now yeah. trying to do this too. Well, the, the, one of the horribles of that last story we told you is when Donna called her psychiatrist in that town where she was living at the time where she attempted and was getting out of their level one trauma center um, the psychiatrist said well she broke my trust by attempting she promised she wouldn't attempt and she broke my trust so i'm discharging her as a patient so we had no help none oh it was it was almost criminal to us you know i'm looking at her thanking god she's alive and i'm thinking and this is this is the woman that is supposed to have helped her and been her anchor yeah yeah Um, so one thing oh, that, that when but we started, 30, there are a lot of there are a lot of gaps in in this system, exactly. and, that, and that's there are a lot of gaps. Try to help with too. Yeah, when we started, um, we had our board meeting, and one of the board members said to me, "She's okay as Danny's mom. What do you see thirty three doing, or where do you want to go with it?" And you know, literally, we had nothing at that time. Just a group of people, a Facebook page, maybe a little bit of money might have started trickling in. Much, yeah. um, and that happened after her uh, celebration. But I said, I want to have a place somewhere called Danny's Place where someone can go after their discharge from a psychiatric unit to get their meds stabilized, get that, you know, counseling mm-hmm. that they need so that they're safe before, again, they go back into their environment or guide them to go to a new environment. It, if we had had that with Danny at the time, it would have taken everything off our plate with the panic. And then we'd have had maybe a month or whatever to look. But as Jeff always talks about rehab. Yeah, we, um, I mean, we, we, aftercare is a huge gap in the system, so many places. And we found yeah. her aftercare, but it was a struggle and it was out of state and it was outrageously expensive and it was very inexpensive. Which not everyone can afford at all. Exactly. No, and so, you know, I mean, the whole, well, that that's a whole nother topic, but, yeah. but honestly, you and know. You go into debt for it. We, I mean, people we know have gone into bankruptcy right. because you do anything to help save your child. Your, well, but, save your family member. That's what you're trying to do, literally. Well, and, and not too long ago, I just had someone on the podcast who lost her sister to suicide and unbeknownst to the family, she had stopped all of her counseling and all of her things because what it was too expensive 
money. It was too expensive, so she stopped. So and then she died by suicide. I mean, you know, that's just tragic. It is. It's beyond. So and, and that, you know, we, if you have a hip replacement or you have a knee replacement or you have a heart attack or you have all these other kind of medical conditions, mm -hmm. we have rehab centers where you can go and get yourself well enough to return to your home and your life. And we don't do, there are places. We don't yeah, do there are some. Uh, but, sy yeah. Systemically with mental health in the same way. And, and not just suicide, but all kinds of serious, serious mental health disorders where we just don't have that aftercare. Well, and I just hate the fact that on the back of your insurance card, you have a separate number for mental health. Yes, that's very That's true. wrong. That is wrong. You, it should not be a separate number. It's putting it into a completely different category that you feel like, or that then the patient can feel like, well, this is something that's like, a little extra, a little different, not really with my medical stuff. Like I should be able to handle this myself, but if you really need to call the mental health number, you can and like that. Talk about stigma. That's it. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's a bit, that is a huge thing. I, I mean, I've often looked at that and thought that, but you just put it into words. There's supposed to be federal law that helps with that. The parity law that passed a number of years ago. And it, in practice, it's on the books and in, the way it works, it's not very good still. We still have a long way to go. And, you know, the last time I checked, doctor, the brain is part of the body, isn't it? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So. It is the same. So shouldn't be treated differently. Right. Yeah, exactly. So can you talk now about the television show that you do, too? Because that's kind of cool. Uh, it is, I want to hear about this. Oh, it is kind of cool. It's, uh, and, and I say that tongue in cheek because, you know, here we are again in small town Ohio and trying to help people. And my husband does advertising with TV advertising and radio advertising with the local TV station. And, and they just started talking about, we were trying to do, uh, promote one of the events we had because we have two major yeah, events for the year. PSAs. And mm -hmm. he said, in passing, would it type? Wouldn't it be cool if there was like a TV show that could just have mental health people on it and talk about have the professionals or stories? And she's like, "Yeah, that'd be cool." Half an hour later, an hour later, she just, "Oh my gosh!" Not only would it be that cool, I'm going to set it up and blah. And she went on and on. And a week later, we're yeah, we're meeting with the vice president <laughs> of the TV station and her, and he said to he looked at us and he said, "We're going to do this show, and not only we're going to do this show." You two are going to host it, and we're starting in two weeks. And we went, whoa, 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 whoa. We were not talking about us. That wasn't really my idea. Exactly. So we didn't start in two weeks, but we did start in about five. And we have done uh, between 50 and 60 episodes in, in the yeah. last year plus. And uh, as far as we know, it's the only show of its kind that we've been able to locate in the country. And it's even though we're on a local independent TV station, it's not closed cable you know it's not access cable or anything like that but it's not it's an independent station here in mansfield ohio we've taken that that idea and we've turned it into a half hour talk show where we have people just come and tell us about the resource they may have for people in behavioral health world or telling their stories about their own struggles or their own family struggles or all mm -hmm. kinds of different stories in in that world and we have learned so much, but, and I hope our audience who watches it uh, has too. And the good thing about it is it's not just the weekly half hour show. They saved those, those uh, shows. So we were able to keep all of them and we have links on our website, but then also we're slowly converting them over to YouTube. So we have, we, you know, we've got about, about 60 in the can now. So it's, it's, uh, it's exciting. And we've, we've, we've gotten uh, a lot of nice feedback about it. And again, I think it's a pretty unique thing in the, in the world. Well, what we're trying to do, Marcy, is create hope for people. Right. We will never end an episode without something positive because, mm -hmm. you know, I've had the Pollyannic syndrome forever and I, and I had it right after Danny died. All things work together for good. Not always. Right. <laughs> At right. Least, you know, I don't know what the silver lining is and I'm going to have to wait till maybe we've helped people. But to me, I want my daughter back. Right. right. In the meantime, so we have always decided that no matter what is going on in mental health or depression or suicide, it's not a fun subject. 
people don't say, oh, yay, it's Monday. We're going to go watch right. that suicide show or yeah. whatever. Like the Thursday Grief Podcast. <laughs> exactly. Same thing, really. Let's talk yes. about schizophrenia. That's a fun topic. Let's cover that today. Uh, but we really do. Well, mine, mine is like, oh, we get to hear from somebody else whose child died. My, my family actually will, will sort of chuckle now because I get pictures sent for every week. You know, I, I have pictures on my website of all the kids. And so I will sometimes get the pictures of these cutest kids and I'll show my family like, oh, isn't she adorable? And little pink balloons and all that. And like, yeah, but she's dead. I mean, oh, <laughs> you know, like yes. every, every time I show someone a picture of a really super adorable child, there's a tragic, horrible story with it. So wow. yeah, I'm kind of like not, not the person maybe you want to have at the party to bring everybody up, right? But, but you know what you we do? Know, we know that feeling too. You do in the sense that nobody feels alone when they're listening to your podcast. And, right. And that's a, you know, that's a hope and a help because um, a friend of mine, she lost her son tragically to a medical issue Recently. three months ago, ago yeah. beyond devastated. And she was calling me, how can, you know, I, how can you do this? I can't breathe. And, and that beginning is, is, the most horrible time. And I found mm -hmm. a couple of podcasts of yours that I sent her and she was so thrilled because it gave her hope that she wasn't the only one. She's not the only one that was maybe mad at God for a little bit or the only one that thought, you know, why is it my child and not yours? And, you know, all the feelings that we have. Mm -hmm. So um, knowing that we're not well, alone. And then she wrote to me after did. just listening to a few. And then you wrote to me. And you mentioned your friend, and I wrote back, yes, yeah, she just wrote to me. <laughs> I just yes, read I that email a little had, bit. And, uh, no, I know you didn't. <laughs> I know you didn't. But I could tell, like, oh, yeah, because she said, my friend sent me this. And then she said, my friend lost. And I thought, this is the same exact story. Yes. So. Yes. And that's really neat that you you read all your emails. Um, that's oh, really yeah, of course I do. Of yeah. course. I it. it I just feel privileged, really, to be able to hear different stories. We're that really way, do. too. We, I, it, it never fails when we speak or we do some sort of a program or something. People come up afterwards, and they're waiting for us, and they wait, they'll wait. They, you know, if we're talking to other people, and they want to come up, and they want to tell us their story. Because, again, just like you, Marcy, you and your husband have been through the worst imaginable thing. I hope the worst thing ever. And, uh, you know, the... They want to share their story too because we're safe. We get it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we get it, and and we can, you know, we know there are no words that make it better, but we just know, you know, that look you can share it says a lot, and uh, you mm -hmm. understand that too. And that's what's wonderful about what you're doing, and and your podcast series too, because it, you know, you're as Donna said, you're providing that help and that hope, and letting people know that. You know, the fact that my brain's telling me I'm losing it right now is normal. Yes. It's abnormally yeah. normal, but it's normal for where you are living right now. Right, right, right. To make people not feel alone yeah. and so isolated because grief is just an isolating kind of experience yeah. for sure. No matter how you experience the loss, it's just so isolating. So to be able to let people know that they're not alone is... It's just remarkable, really. I mean, I think back to my own experience of just going to that su first support group, although, I mean, I was like I was dragged there, right? I didn't want to be there. I wanted to run. I wanted to flee um, because you feel like I don't want to belong in this group. Absolutely. I, I don't want to be in this group of bereaved parents, but I am. And since I am, and I can't change things, as yeah. you said earlier, Donna, since you can't <laughs> change things, then yes. you do make the best of what you have and yeah. trying to be with as many people and give as much support as you can and and just be not alone. Well, and then you keep Andy's memory alive. We keep Danny's alive. And, and it does something to heal us when mm -hmm. we actually had a doctor tell us when you Why can share us. your story with someone else healing has begun and we're like that's probably true and not not a one-on-one -on -one, but when we finally were able to just talk about it and not just feel like I was going to vomit right yeah because that is what it is at first for yeah. sure it is. and then you go out in public and you see people that give you the look 
and you're, I don't know, mm-hmm. if, the look was the worst thing. I had probably six months, I went nowhere in this town because mm-hmm. I, I couldn't face people and I was afraid I would lose it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hated that. Yeah. I hated the look. Yeah. And I felt like I was getting it everywhere. Yeah. Yes. And oh. and I don't know that I was, and I don't know that that was happening. I We were on every TV station, and it was, there was a picture of me on every TV oh, station gosh. around because, you know, it was, it was a big story. I mean, he, oh, he was a horrible. chorister, a head chorister. He looked cute. He had a beautiful voice. I'm a pediatrician. I mean... We were just, you know, it was through no fault of our own. We were just hit suddenly. I mean, it went made for good television. And that was hard because you felt like everywhere I went, people were noticing that. And I do know even now, like we are in a huge hospital system and I go in to round and it used to be before Andy died, not everyone would know my name. After Andy died, everyone knows my name. They all know that, oh, that's Dr. Larson. Yes. That's the one who sent I right? I mean, they all know that now. So I've gotten so I can accept it a little more. But at the beginning, you just feel like you're just on display. Exactly. You know, all of your emotions and everyone's looking at you and seeing how are you going to act and what are you going to be. And, right. Mm-hmm. I could not. I cannot cry in public. It's very rare that I'll get choked up. It's been like that for my entire life. Like if I got upset with something, even the kids, I would go in my room and I'd cry. I'd have my little cry closet. He'd find me in the closet. When my mom passed away, it was tragic. She was sick with ovarian cancer. And uh, it was just a very long, slow, horrible process. But funeral, I didn't cry. uh, But he'd find me collapsed on the floor one day, just out of the blue when it would hit me. But but with that, with me not crying, I again felt, and I'm, I'm okay with it now, but people would be, oh, she says she was really, it's her best friend. Why isn't she, why doesn't she seem that upset? Yep. Like, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I got a good mask too, I guess. I mean, that's, you know, that's what we had to wear. I think of the night that Andy died and we're in the ambulance and, and I'm sobbing and I'm trying to talk to people and Eric at the beginning wasn't crying and he said I remember thinking to myself what is wrong with me my son just died and I'm not crying you know he thought there had to be something physically wrong with him that he wasn't doing that now it ended up he did cry later but it doesn't matter right I mean it's just different people are different and you can't judge yourself or try to let other people judge you based on what you look like on the outside. I mean, it goes back to Danny, right? You would have yeah. never guessed what was going on in the inside with what she was showing on the outside. Yeah. So for bereaved people, for anyone to judge what's happening on the inside by what they're showing. That's very true. Not good. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't even share this. 25 hours before Danielle died, our sixth grandchild was born. So Danny had a new niece that day. This little girl looked identical to Danny, and this is not her blood sister. We have both newborn pictures next to each other, and they look like yes, like twins. Wow. So Danny, her last actually FaceTime message, she called her sister who had just had the baby, and she had just gotten up and heard the news of that Emory was born and is just saying, I can't wait to meet her. She's so beautiful and she looks like me. And Mandy, you finally gave me a baby that I can say is mine. And she's just happier than anything. And we are on top of the world. And within, I don't know, 15 hours for her, because it was yeah, at 10 in the morning, she couldn't see tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So, and we all went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows and, in that amount of time yeah Mm -hmm. and got the phone call at three in the morning three something in the morning and and it was weird the phone rang and i was texting danny at 10 o'clock at night asking her how she was doing she was moving she had just signed a lease that day for a new place she was going to move closer to her girlfriends she had her boyfriend was coming in that week and I said, Dan, you've been pretty quiet this week. Is everything okay? And she's like, eh, I'm just got a lot going on, mom. And she goes, and you know, I quit smoking 
Christmas. That was another thing. I've gained weight. You know how bad I feel when I, when I feel like I'm fat. So I've got that. I've got to move. I've got the hiccup with my insurance. And she goes, but what did she say? But I'll, I'll, oh, how's that? How's that for you right now? And I said, okay, honey, I'm like, it'll be okay. You can hang in there. And, and she said, well, I just don't want to burden anybody. And again, not that word. And I, I said, I love you more than anything. Call me if you need me. And I think I, and I know I wrote all, all things work together for good. And I put dot, dot, dot. And then she sent me a kissy face. That's at 10 in the morning, 10 in the evening. And at 3.30, we get the phone call from her best friend. I see it on her name on the phone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Jeff, this is it. And it was. We had a few hours scare because she had just moved away. That was another trigger for Danielle. She had her best friend work for her. And the owner of the company had asked her to, they were transitioning. So she had to let this girl go. And she had said, how can I let my best friend go? Now she doesn't have a job. It's Christmas. And what have I done to her? So she's taking all this on more and more. Yeah. So then this girl calls us. We had to wait for the call from the police to confirm it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was the moment in movies where I've heard it on your show where people say, you know, are you going to mom? Yes, I am. I regret to inform you. And it was, and then I just went into silence. I, I, I didn't, you know, again, the same thing. I didn't scream. I didn't, I was like, yeah, I knew it. It was a call that we, we, we wondered if we'd get in life I mean, again. We, from, we literally, we, we shared with each other within that next day or so that we both had been dreading that phone call, not even speaking about right. it, dreading the phone call independently of each other, really since probably she was 15. And yeah. there it was. Yeah. And there it finally was. Yeah. But in turn, again, we, we, were, we, we are very excited about our 33 Forever and how, yeah. you know, we're just helping people. We've got a couple other really cool things that we have done through the help of all the generous people is we we've raised quite a bit of money, but we started a, a an endowment at Ohio state in Danny's name for their behavioral health immediate care clinic. So there's a room with her name on it, a picture there. That's great. Akron children's hospital here locally is doing something and we're making the same thing a big donation there. And that is the hospital that took care of her when she was 15. So now they're moving to our town, which is about an hour and a half away. And, and it's just like a whole full circle. And we, uh, we just feel like Danny is just putting, again, these things in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That immediate mm-hmm. care clinic, you know, we talked about the aftercare. That's almost like an urgent care center for mental yeah. health, which is, which is a fairly new concept in the mental health world. Yep. They we, have it at Michigan now, don't they? I think they, they do. do. Yes, I think so. And we have one locally that's just opened up in the last few months, too. That they, they won't take pediatric patients, but they do have it for adults. So anyway, mm-hmm. it's, it's exciting because it's, it's offering that, you know, we all understand that bump and bruise and, you know, if you break your arm, you got to go to the ER, but you, if you, if you bruise it or you need an antibiotic or you need this or you need that, you go to the urgent care and, and they take care of you. Well, there should be, you know, you bump or bruise your brain, you need, you need a little help to, to get yeah. stable. You need yep. to get it talked through. Those are beautiful. Meds adjusted. Yes. They're wonderful. So that that's Ohio state is, has committed tremendous resources to that too. So again, something we're we're proud to have our supporters support yeah. through our organizations. Yeah. That's excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing Danny with us, sharing Forever 33. I think it's or 33 Forever. 33, 33 Forever. I'm sorry, misspoke there, but everybody does it. And you know what? I actually I wanted to name it Forever 33. And my one daughter, she's the youngest. She, I mean, total grief. I mean, she hardly had talked at all. She looked up at me and she goes, really, mom, you're going to get sued by forever 21 if you do that. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. okay. And then she looked at me and I said, yeah, probably. probably <laughs> and then she goes, <laughs> 33 forever. And I immediately got covered in goosebumps my, from head to toe. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's it. And everyone's like, yeah, that's it. And, and I now call them Danny bumps. And uh, whenever something's going on and I wonder if or what, I'll get my Danny bumps and like, yep, that's what we need to do. So it's a... Uh... Well, I think I just got some too. So <laughs> she spread them this way as well. Yes. Thank you again to both of you. Thank you so much. Thanks for asking it. us to be a part of the show and, and you're doing great work. And 
as bereaved parents, we appreciate everything you do for other people too. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at andysmom.com. Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.